where I want to start is in the basement of the Lockwood Manor, where Jeremiah, when we last checked in on, was about to go on a murderous rampage. Oh, Jeremiah. What? You, uh, seem like you've got a a pretty solid plan going on, or at least a nice end goal. Can I ask, how do you plan about going to accomplish that? Jeremiah will look down at a shotgun in his hand. I point a shotgun at the people and pull the trigger, Alistair. Generally, a surprise shotgun blast is good enough for a lot of things. Out of curiosity, is this murder spree going to be more of the mass variety or the serial? Just kind of trying to figure out what, what the time frame is. Why on earth would I? Well, I guess you're already standing here listening to me talk to Alistair about killing people. And like, I don't know, Sil. I don't fucking know. I don't know fucking anything right now. I'm just going to like set some things on fire and see what happens. That's my plan. I thought up other plans. Other plans didn't work. So now I'm just going to wing it and see what shit falls out of it. In that case, I have a, well, let's call it a mutually beneficial offer. If you would like some help, I can take you straight to the lead of Fleur's Watch, get you in, and maybe save you a couple of bullets. Is the leader something I can shoot? Or throw magical items I have in my pockets at? I'm sure that something you have is going to be effective. I'm sure. Oh, Alistair. You asked me about Eric Zarn. Yes, do go on. What do you want to know about him? I have his home address. I have some dirty secrets of his. I know where he's usually at most days. Fantastic. Really, anything at this point. I can take you to the head of Fleur's watch as long as I get to ask them some questions before you go all shooty shooty bang bang on them. And then I will collect that information from you, if that's all right. Consider it uh, collateral you hold over me, so I... Ensure you make it out of this alive. Jeremiah will reach out a hand. All right. Shaking on it is generally the appropriate thing to do. I think Alistair looks at Jeremiah's hand for like several seconds before reaching out and shaking it. The handshake needs work. There's an awful handshake. <laughs> Maybe you don't deserve a better handshake. Given that I'm spilling the beans on my boss and I'm probably jumping shit from the network, uh, yes, you should totally give me a better handshake than that, Alistair. I believe we're in the same but opposite boats, so maybe we put our petty squabbles aside and I forget that you literally shot me. Was that earlier today or was that yesterday? Who fucking knows anymore? Time is a flat circle. <laughs> I think it was yesterday. 
maybe we put our petty squabbles aside and I forget that you literally shot me yesterday. Jeremiah will sling a shotgun over his back and light up a cigarette. Sure. Come on, we'll take my car. I've got some phone calls to make as well. Wonderful. Let's go. If I remember correctly, I shot you because you threw a bolt of lightning at my arm and fucked it up. Water under the bridge. Oh, did you know that electricity uh, involuntary muscle spasms? Like around my trigger finger. The gun was pointed right at you. I mean, you were going to murder my cousin. Do you fucking care about your cousin enough to stop me from murdering her? Needed answers. Well, the obvious answer to that is yes. Well, then just find someone to pull her ghost back from the afterlife and you can talk to it. Oh, that's so complicated, though. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Complicated? I'm, fu I'm a fucking ghost riding around with a guy whose body I killed, remodified, and I don't know. I think his personality's still in here somewhere. Reprogrammed? I don't fucking know. Honestly, that seems rather straightforward. All of this sounds so ridiculous when you put it that way. Bill, would you like to go along with us on this murder spree? I don't think so. I think it's time for me to go to church, actually. I, I have quite a few new sins to confess. Hmm. I'm hesitant to let you out of my sight, but I don't want you to be near me. <laughs> Even that you sold out Victor to a fucking devil. Actually, you know what? Yes, I'm going to call a debt in on Silk. Cool. What is the, the terms of that debt? All right, Silk. You still owe me for a couple things. So I want, I want you to give me an assurance. For the next day, let's not talk about what I'm about to do. Let's give myself a sporting head start. Hmm. I mostly want to try to reject that just so I can use the new corruption move I picked up. So I picked up Shrewd Negotiator. When you roll a 10 plus to refuse to honor a debt, I can mark corruption and cancel the original debt and claim a debt from the person who originally tried to use it on me. All right, go ahead and roll to refuse to honor that debt. Let's see if I remember how to do this. You roll with heart. Yep. That is a 13. Wonderful. Well, Jeremiah, I don't think I can do that. I, I do believe your silly invisible man in the sky does prefer honesty in all things. And when I'm speaking to my confessor, I am to be honest and tell them everything that has happened. And that is just so very rude of you to ask me to hide this from your invisible man in the sky. All right, I'm not sure what to do here, because I know Jeremiah is very likely to shoot Silk with that line. I also don't want to shoot Silk. Lots of contradictions in Jeremiah today. All right. Okay. Sure. You go off and tell... I'm going to assume you're going off to tell Flores Watch. Everyone seems to be in on it these days. So you go off tell Flores Watch everything, because apparently you're all about positivity and honest, Miss Minute. And let me tell you something. 
if I see you again, they'll probably take a, take a couple of pot shots at you until I can't see you anymore. Okay? Good buddy? I would most certainly like to see you try. Rick, check in. Does Alistair feel like Silk is going to go tell on them? Would he have any indication that this is Silk's plan? I guess we have game mechanics for that. It would be wrong to figure someone out. Yeah, you can roll to figure someone out. Or, Eric, if you want to go ahead and field that question. Let's do the figure someone out and let's see how this goes. We've gotten 11. All right. So on a hit, hold two. I guess the closest would be who's pulling your character's strings. I think for this particular action, this is entirely a silk scheme. All right. And I guess, how could I get your character to tell Alistair what you're planning to open up to him? Hmm. I don't know how to put this into simple words, but right now his top priority is the fact that his mom knows where he is now. And he is currently trying to find ways to alleviate the issues that are sure to come up soon. So if you were to somehow provide better support in that avenue than what he's currently trying to do, which is to field the quote-unquote invisible man in the sky for help with this, which would probably mean Flair's Watch. Well, so it was told that Isabel Lane was part of it, right? Because otherwise Silk would not know that she was part of it. Yes, and I'm pretty sure Silk is aware of that. Okay. Or at least he is smart enough to piece that together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right now he is planning not to say anything in particular to Fleur's watch, but with knowledge that anything he were to say in that confessor booth would probably end up to Isabel Lane. Okay. In that case, I think I would also like to cash in a debt on Silk. Just to get him to, I guess, agree to not blow our cover. The way Alistair's going to phrase it is, Silk, I helped you out in regards to Titania before. I would really appreciate it. And would be willing to do so again, assuming you watch our back, at least for the near future. Not even watch our back so much as not blow our cover. Huh. Well, tell you what. I will promise not to say anything at all about your plans for the next 24 hours. After that, you're all on your own. That's agreeable. Wonderful. At least not to anyone who you seem to be targeting. It's quite interesting to information that might be useful to others as well. All right. I think that's all Alistair really needed from Silk. I think Silk will move to leave now. Uh, Jeremiah, just one last thing. Where is Dinah at the moment? Jeremiah is just going to, like, stare daggers at Silk. 
well, I guess I could find her on my own. I do hope you've been keeping your word and keeping her safe from the the fae who are after her. She it would be quite a shame if harm would come to her. Jeremiah strongly reconsidered shooting Silk. Yeah, canonically, Jeremiah forgot to tell Dinah about that. Mm-hmm. I think he's just remembering that now. <laughs> yep. You could ask Silk to help with that. At this point, Jeremiah doesn't want anything more to do with Silk. Mm. Cool. So I think Silk is going to go walk out unless he gets shot. Once Silk is out of earshot, I think Jeremiah is going to quickly call Dinah. Because he forgot about the threat on Dinah's life. And so did I. It goes to voicemail. Oh. Hi, you've reached Dreamless I'm unable to get to the phone right now. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Dinah is Jeremiah. There's fucking fairies coming after you. At some point, I... Uh, I don't know. Their names. You did something for setting up, like, a fucking hit on you out in... What the fuck was that guy's name? Axel Simon's territory, I think? I don't know, just don't go up inside the city limits. Buy some iron. <laughs> uh, if you see any fairies over fae creatures nearby that aren't sharp teeth, just, like, fucking shoot them. Also, maybe go find sharp teeth. He knows about this sort of shit. Also, maybe apologize, because sharp teeth thinks we sold out a whole bunch of people and stole their shit, but we didn't, because I forgot about that fucking lie that started circulating too, and like, this has just been a really long past couple of days, like, fuck. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> if you are finished recording, please press one. <laughs> now, I'm assuming that Jeremiah just hangs up the phone. Yep. And as we get that phone hang up, we go back in time a little bit to Victor, Anastasia, and Cass leaving the manor. Uh, Victor, can you help me get her just down into the back seat? We'll we'll buckle her in. Yeah, I, of course. Victor helps handle the uh, mostly semi-conscious Cass. Yeah, she's coming back around, but it's just very, like, she's there and then she's not. Mm -hmm. Anastasia winces some as the two of you load Cass into the back seat and leans over to get her buckled in. But you can tell that she's in a decent amount of pain from whatever happened with the ritual. Mm -hmm. Thanks, I, uh... I guess I owe you. Yeah, don't worry about it. Do you want to sit in the back? I can drive you wherever you need to go. Yeah, can can you drive me in her home? My home, which I'm assuming is somewhere in the vicinity of where your moms live. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I would hope you know where you live, but, you know, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, Victor gets behind the wheel takes the keys from Anastasia and drives in the general direction of her house. As you are driving, she 
leans forward so that you can hear her, but is not totally within your range of vision. I wanted to apologize for what I said the other night when we were fighting. So, I'm sorry. I think you'll make a good pack leader if that's what you want. I'm not going to fight you on it. Victor nods. I'm not sure what I'm doing right now, but Ileana's got a few more years in her at least, so I don't think it's a now problem. Yeah, she's a she's quite a fighter, but you never know in this city. Yeah. We don't have to be at each other's throats. I don't know. I just I don't want us to be enemies if we don't have to. No, now's not the time for infighting. Do you know what Flora's Watch has been up to? Not really. Cass used to get night terrors about her time at the orphanage there, but I'd always thought that they were just that. Terrors, not repressed memories. Yeah. Seems like they got into some weird fucking shit. They're bad news. So, what do we do about your mom? Victor takes a long, deep sigh. It's a good fucking question. It's a good fucking question. Well, my priority right now is getting cast somewhere that she's safe. Yeah. But after I get that dealt with, if you need anything, let me know. I will. And I think if you don't say anything else, she's just going to sit back and probably just be mostly silent for the rest of the car ride. Yeah, I'll turn on the radio to fill the silence. Nice. I just want to flag that I am hanging out with them partially so that they can be attacked by the Fleur's Watch while I'm there. But that does not necessarily need to happen. I mean... Anastasia will invite you in once you reach her place, her townhouse. So, okay, cool. I had plans for that. So, if you want to make sure you're there when they get attacked, I can make that happen. Yeah, I, I would love that. <laughs> that would be great. Especially since it's all my fault that it's happening. And Victor hasn't quite crossed the wires that, that he has done that yet. Yeah. Because he doesn't think his mom is manipulative and. Astrid is the sweetest person alive. Yeah, well, she can be sweet and manipulative. Yes, yes, which is who she is. <laughs> she has short-circuited his ability to be a player of games by being his mom. Yep. Yeah, all right, that's good for me. All right. And then we get to... Alex and Leon in Finn's vehicle. And they look at you, Alex, and ask, so where to? You said you had it somewhere you were heading to. At some point, I am supposed to be meeting Rosalie Mercier at the St. Fleur Country Club for a little bit of a conversation, but if you needed to make a stop before, then I wouldn't complain. I was just mostly interested in what exactly is going on here. As soon as Julian caught Ju's scent, he informed me that 
my brother's body was here. So imagine my surprise when I see the two of you walk out. Ah, yes, well, I did tell you that I was going to put it to use, didn't I? They kind of just nod and they're like, yeah, I guess you were being honest there. And Leon is definitely like a little fidgety right now. I mean, this is the first time she's had her own body in centuries. So like, it's like legs are bouncing. She's like tapping her thighs. And like, it just as this conversation is going on, after Fen says, yes, I suppose you were being honest. She says, yeah, it's a pretty nice body that she got me here. Yes, well, it was... I had to make sure that it would be able to contain you for some time. Besides, you have a demon, or at least the spokesperson thereof, to meet with. And after that, frankly, you can do what you want. And Alex kind of looks back over at Fen. You remember that I have certain ambitions towards the city. Of course, it was a rather fun conversation between the two of us. Yes, that is part of what this meeting is about. The ruling body of St. Fleur has been given an ultimatum. First, we're going to find out if they've taken it. And if not, well, I'm going to follow up on that. Can you please remind me, the GM, what exactly the ultimatum was? I'm sure they didn't take it, but... Yeah, when the Fleur invited Alex up to the bell tower to have a talk, and Alex was like, get the fuck out of city or I'm gonna tear your building apart brick by brick. Ah, uh, yes. That was what was going on. Interesting. So, I assume the spirit that you've placed in my brother's body is part of that plan. A large part, yes. Leon, do you want to explain your purpose, or should I? My purpose beyond my intense desire to kill everybody remotely involved in this? I more meant these circumstances behind that state. Ah, yes, well... Ooh, actually... She leans forward and she's like, by the way, Fen, it's lovely to see you again. I really enjoyed what you were doing in the early 1900s. But you see, this whole thing, my uh, bitch of a mother decided to use me as a continual human sacrifice and bind my soul into place, allowing demons to feed off of it so that she could continue to funnel wealth and prosperity into the city. Is that about some of what I told you, Alex? That's the, the broad strokes, yes. Now you'll understand that I have certain disagreements with this arrangement. I can understand that. I mean, it's one thing when somebody offers to be a sacrifice. It's another one that's forced. And especially in a continual sort of fashion. The things that have been done to make this city prosper, frankly, I'd rather burn it to the ground. On the upside, I don't think that we need to. But step one is removing the people who benefit from this arrangement. That is going to be quite a list. Shorter than you might think. So, your plan is to either see if Fleur's watch has rolled over and shown their belly to you, 
or you're just going to what exactly? <laughs> A thing that you should learn about me is that I do not make idle threats. They will roll over and come to heal, or I will tear them apart. You are aware of what happened to the brigade. I thought that was mostly the wolf you brought. Tell me, do you blame the weapon or the hand that guides it? Well, what I know of the Margarets, they're very hard to guide. But. They are, but I've had a lot of time to get to know them. Don't get me wrong, they're very dangerous. But frankly, I have been waiting for them to finish the job they started with me, and, well, here I am. Poor follow-through, then. They just need a little discipline. So yes, we're going to find out if the Watch has taken me up on my kind, generous offer not to tear them apart piece by piece. And if they haven't, well, begin the tearing. Well, as we discussed when you brought my brother's soul to me, I am always interested in a partnership. I know you and I might not see eye to eye on everything, but in this matter, I do still agree that they have had control for far too long and the uh, city will die if it continues the way it's going. Well, it might die either way, but sometimes death is not a bad thing. Well, it'll be more interesting, at least, without them in play. And on that, we can agree. As, like, you say that, like, Leon reaches forward and, like, turns the radio on and starts scanning a bunch of different stations. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot that Alex actually needed to get out of that particular scene past that. So, it's like Fen wanting to know what was going on. Yeah. And also try to decide what they want to do about the whole Leon and their brother's body situation. Yeah, that's fair. Jury's still out on that. They definitely feel a little weird. You, you can tell it's putting them a little, a little off balance. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think Alex definitely picks up on that, but he's not going to like try and, you know, for lack of a better term, comfort or support. This is, if anything, an object lesson in the length that Alex will go to, <laughs> right? Oh, for sure. You gave a revenge-hungry, bloodthirsty, demon-poisoned soul a vampiric vessel. Right? That's commitment. <laughs> right? <laughs> but one thing's for sure, no more eternal human sacrifice. Yes, at the very least. We cut that off. Yeah, that's what putting a demon in a vampire does. It prevents human sacrifice. I mean, look, of this one specific soul, we save souls one at a time here. <laughs> no! <laughs> one problem at a time. You created two problems. This is like an old woman who swallowed a fly scenario, right? We had to swallow the spider to get rid of the fly, but now we just have to swallow a bird and we'll be fine. Yeah, that's how that turned out. Exactly. I see no problems here. Problems at all. Yeah. All right. And then I think we are back to Jeremiah and Alistair. What's the plan? First, we get to my car. I'm with you so far. 
Uh, I want to do next. Might I suggest starting the car? <laughs> the match made in heaven. Oh, Charlie's going to be so happy when he hears this episode. <laughs> Just so much tension. Focus. All right. Jeremiah is going to call Celia. To what end? He wants to jump ship and go over to her because, well, he's not a particularly big fan of a network anymore. We're just burning down to start over. Yeah, that's fair. Let's not get into any lengthy planning of coups right now. Let's just scrap that plan, pour some gasoline, light it on fire, and go over and join the other guys. Yeah, don't you still need to blow up your apartment? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Put that on hold for now. Um, She picks up on the third ring. Hello, Mr. Crawford. What can I do for you? Well, I find myself in a very confusing and very aggravating situation. I'd like to jump ship and join you guys. Really? Really. And what exactly do I get out of this? Well, I've got a whole bunch of blackmail material. What is it called? Yes, okay, roll to persuade an NPC, please. Yep. Got a plus free heart. They can do this. Oh, wow, we're just rolling. Ten pluses all over the place today. Eleven? Mm. Very well. I don't see why... Well, I can see a lot of ways this could go poorly, but I do rather enjoy pissing Zarn off. Yes, well, I mean, I can give you locations of where he's probably stashed some really interesting goods, who he's probably fucking, uh, you know, friends, bank account details. Well, I'm assuming you're asking not just out of the goodness and interest of your heart. Is there something else you need from me? Not right now. The guns will suffice. All right, well, I'll pick up quicker next time you call. Yes. Possibly a place to hide. Things are about to escalate. I'll send you an address of one of our safe houses in Hollis Crossroads. Good place to lie low if you need it. Jeremiah will scribble down the address. Excellent. Oh, by the way, just as a token of goodwill, as we can already assume that this, you know, lots of like double dealing. I'm not doing this out of goodness of my heart. That's very obvious. But to sort of, I guess, show some commitment to this. And this isn't just some sort of weirdly elaborate double agent ploy on behalf of the network. As you probably can guess, my real name is not Jeremiah Crawford. I had him killed and is currently riding around in his body. It's a replacement for what I lost. My real name is Leonard Sines of Toronto. Mm. I'm familiar with your um, family's reputation. Excellent. Always good not to have to explain it to other people. Anyway, I'll be in touch, Miss Mendoza. She just kind of gives some sort of, like, noise of confirmation. It's not really even a word and hangs up the phone. Well, I think that was the best I could hope for. All right, Alistair, where first? 
quick check-in because, as mentioned multiple times, it's been two and a half months since our last recording. Do I know what plane of existence Theodora is currently on? Did she ever return from hell? I think we just left her in hell because it hasn't been that long since we got back. Yeah, but she'd have a way out because she's made a deal. Right. Mostly I was just wondering, can I text her? Because I don't know what the reception is like in hell. Oh, you can text her. Okay. I would like to text her to cash in a debt. All right. What does the text say? The text says, Hello, dear cousin. Since I was able to get you to hell in order to make a deal with your demon friend, would you mind putting those powers to use in helping me at Point Claire? See you soon. Heart emoji. Was that a cry for help? <laughs> it's a heart emoji to Theodora? Can't breathe like a cry to help. You get back a thumbs up and when Alistair uses whatever GPS app he has on his phone to find out how long it'll take him to point to get to point play. Alistair has map quest. Alistair definitely has map quest. Okay. Yes. Alistair map quests the ETA on when they'll get to Point Claire and just sends it to Theodora. I can make that work. See you then. All right, dear Leonard. Why don't we head on off to Point Claire? Mm. Unless there's any prep work you need to do, I do believe that we'll be plenty well equipped. Theodora will be aiding us as well, so... Oh, great. I think that ought to be enough to bring this whole thing toppling down, at least to some extent. Also, quick check. That allows me to mark power, right? Cashing in that debt? Yes, it does. Yay, love what? So she's still part of the power faction and not a demon faction? Yes, she is still part of the power faction. I play fast and loose with factions, y'all. Sorry, she still runs her no, own coven. She's still predominantly a warlock. Right. So, she is still power. That's totally cool. I was just wondering, because if that it wasn't that way, that would tell us a lot more about the nature of whatever pact she made. Yeah. Nah, she's still power. For the record, I took a plus one to mine so that I have a better chance of misleading, distracting, or tricking, because that might be useful. Maybe. All right, so Jeremiah, was there any other preparations you wanted to make? Well, he'll look at his notebook. I guess we can save talking to other people of Thor's watch for another day. Yeah, sure, let's just go storm their stronghold. Yade of your cousin, who's now part demon. You and your whatever the hell you do. And me in a bag full of guns. Sure. You know, I've died once. No big deal. I'll just come back another time. Let's get a point, Claire. All right. And as you all 
head off, we find ourselves at the Satellite Parish in Five Points, where I'm assuming that's where Silk was going to confess his sins. That was the original plan, but now that I can't talk about the murder spree, it's much less useful. Ah, well then, renege on that. Silk, where are you? Well, I'm still going to be in Five Points, but I'm heading over to Midnight Rose's apartment instead. Huh. Bit of a left turn, but... Bit of a left turn. Unexpected. Well, unexpected in GM's opinion, not in Midnight Rose's opinion. <laughs> she opens before you can even a knock on the door. Well, hello, Silk. Pleasure to see you again so soon. Yes, uh, always a pleasure to see you, Midnight Roses. Perhaps do you have time for tea? I have quite a bit to discuss. Oh, always for you. Come along. Lovely. Let's see, what does Midnight Rose's apartment look like today? What's Silk's favorite place in the city? Silk's favorite place in the city. Let's go with some sort of big park area that he can go into uh, people watch. Maybe the, the place where he mm. spent New Year's Eve. Yeah, I was uh, going to that... say the park from New Year's Eve. Yes, that is what the interior of Midnight Rose's apartment looks like today. Hmm. I do love what you've done with the place. Well, I do always try to make my guests comfortable. Did you bring your own tea, or would you like some of mine? Oh, uh, you know me, Midnight Roses. I wouldn't touch your tea if I was dying. Ah, uh, you might want to if you were dying, but that's fair. <laughs> Come, let us sit, and we can talk. Yes. Well, just to avoid beating around the bush, I do believe there's going to be a power vacuum in St. Fleur in the relatively near future, and that is going to bode well, uh, very poorly for the city. She nods a little bit. Well, I'm not particularly surprised by that. You know, these things do happen. Yes, well, unfortunately, it is timed rather poorly, because it does seem that my mother knows that I'm here now. And um, I wouldn't put it past her to seize what she thinks is hers by force. And without, say, a powerful shadow organization to fend her off, things are going to be difficult. Well, it's not totally outside of Mab's fear of influence to do something like that. Is there something you were hoping to get from me about this? Well, I think that perhaps it is time that I formally seek a new court. She smiles very brightly. And what court would that be? Oh, I haven't quite decided. I'm still shopping around, as it were. But uh, I, I do believe you have one of your own. I do. It's a rather lovely little court. Well, it's not quite so little anymore, but... Hmm. And what do you require for someone to join such a court? Question before I answer this, because this is going to flavor my answer a little bit. Do mm -hmm. you still want to 
ultimately get Silk into the Mortality faction? Yes, but I do also plan on taking the join or lead a fairy court advancement probably next because I am now on my sixth advancement. Cool. I mean, this is like the least fairy court of fairy courts anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Midnight Roses sips her tea and says, well, it's fairly simple, but a rather major requirement is to denounce your heritage sever the connection to arcadia interesting uh that isn't something that most of our kind are willing to do do you have a specific ritual in mind or is this more symbolic it's been done in a variety of manners and if you don't have an idea on how to do it for yourself i do have the power to do so but it tends to be personal depending on the fae Hmm, of course um wouldn't have it any other way i will have to keep that in mind that does sound rather appealing though i must warn you that allowing me to join your court will very likely gain the ire of a very powerful woman and are you prepared for that Ah, my dear boy, you think too highly of yourself. Well, I mean... But yes, I am prepared. Wonderful. I'm assuming then that you have a contract ready to sign. Of course. And she just, like, waves her hand and a rose-colored scroll with the scent of lemongrass appears hovering in the air. Cool. And I think Silk will pick it up and actually start reading it. And that might be a good place to to cut it for now. Yep. Because I forgot Silk actually reads the terms and conditions. Well, he's fae. I mean, come on. (laughs) All right. So, Victor, when you all get to Anastasia's house, Cass has mostly come back around and can move on her own again at this point. And Anastasia looks towards you. You're welcome to come in, eat some lunch, rest for a little or whatever you need, if you'd like. Yeah, that sounds good. Anastasia has like a nice brownstone in downtown or near downtown because she's the chief inspector or something. She has some important job with the police force and she's good at her job. So she, you know, unlocks the door and lets you in. It's a very modern design, very open and airy. And Cass just kind of flops down onto the couch, digs her face into some pillows. As Anastasia is walking back towards the kitchen, do you want anything to drink? Yeah, whatever you got is good. Alcoholic or not? Whatever you're having. She comes back with, like, a glass of ice water for Cass and then hands you a neat scotch. She also has one for herself. Cheers. Victor holds up the glass, sips, and, like, goes to look out the window. As you go to look out the window, 
So this is a fairly affluent neighborhood, right? That she's in. It's not like the richest of the rich, but it's very upper middle class. Mm -hmm. So when there's a 2002 Honda Civic that's kind of beat up driving slowly down the road, it definitely catches your eye. It just sticks out a little bit. Okay. I don't remember what moves there are in this game. Right, because there's not really like a... I mean, you could let it out to extend your senses. Yeah, that seems... (laughs) There's like 17 videos from Ring Doorbells of Victor's car driving through the street. I didn't drive my car. I drove Anastasia's. Okay, well, of that car driving through the street. Yeah. I don't think there's anything for me to do. Like, you've given me the, hey, this car looks weird. I jut at it with my chin. Do cars like that normally drive through you? Anastasia comes and stands and to look out the window with you and... <sighs> no, not normally i'll go check my security system yeah and of course her security system she can just pull up on the tv in the living room (laughs) of course victor's like sipping the scotch and thinking well if i drove through this neighborhood i'd look really suspicious yeah i don't have any moves for like figuring things out or anything along those lines so so I think what happens is as, because I'm just going to golden opportunity it. Absolutely. As Anastasia is pulling up her uh, security system, you hear a bit of a sharp intake of breath from her. That's very much the uh, something is not the way it's supposed to be. And she just turns towards you and goes, we have company. And there on the screen is that vehicle pulling up in the alley that runs behind the uh, brownstone. And there's probably about four or five people. Okay. Stay with Cass. Victor goes and picks up his, his duffel bag full of gun and silver dagger and uh, slides it over his shoulder. He had thrown it in a, a recliner when he got in. I'll go hit him off. And he pulls out the shotgun and goes to the back door of the house. And he's going to wait by that door for it to open. <laughs> All right, the door opens. As it does so, he pivots around the corner to see the person from the car and fires his shotgun at that person. Great, go ahead and roll to unleash an attack. Absolutely. That is the 12. Oh, nice. All right, so on a hit, you inflict harm as established and choose one. So how much harm does your uh, shotgun do? I'm pretty sure it's three. That sounds correct. I'll roll with it. No, it's two harm, close, loud, reload, messy. Okay. All right. This is a small group that you are fighting against. Let's do big harm then. 
inflict terrible harm. Okay. So it'll do two harm then. Yes. Yes, it will. All right. Yeah, describe what it looks like as you kill this first person coming through the door. There's a splatter of blood across the back steps of Anastasia's backyard. And he moves, stepping over the body and pivoting to look around the corner and steps over the body and moves towards that car. As you turn and step over that body and move towards the car, you see like another one of these. I mean, these are mooks right now. Right. So another one of these wizardy mooks. They're doing that thing where they've thrown open the car door and they're standing on the ledge of the car and going Mm -hmm. to shoot over it. They have a gun, but you see that lightning is starting to form at the tip of the barrel. Fucking wizards. Fucking wizards and their fucking lightning guns. Cool. I would love to, like, dive to the side as they're going to try and shoot me full of lightning. Because that sounds bad. So Victor just, like, run and jumps and, like, lands behind. Roll to keep your cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Damn, y'all are rolling hot today. That's another 12. That is five full successes in a row. Mm-hmm. I would like to note that I have not rolled yet and give it a sec. <laughs> Bad things are so going to happen All to right. you. Keep Jeremy from ever rolling. <laughs> <laughs> On a 10 plus all as well. All right. Yeah. So you do your super cool roll jump thing. Yeah, and he, like, lands hard behind, gosh, another car that's parked in the alley. That makes sense. Yeah, And it, like, gets filled with lightning, and he uh, comes over the top with the shotgun to just... All right. And fire at the uh, closest uh, wizardling. Roll another unleash. There we go. That's an eight. All right. So on a hit, you inflict harm established and choose one. I would love to take a little harm. Okay. You also still get to choose one from the first list, too. Oh, I do. Excellent. I will inflict terrible harm again. All right. So you're caught up in your uh, divine judgment of this first wizardling that was trying to shoot lightning at you. So you miss the other one who had, like, jumped out of the car while you were doing your roll thing and moved towards the side, lobbing a, like, just straight-up fireball at you. I would like you to mark, let's see, because you're human form, so you don't have all your natural armor right now, right? No, I do not. But I am reckless. If I jump into danger without hedging my bets, I get plus one armor. Yeah, so I was going to say this was three harm, but um, with that armor, then it's two total. All right, I'm going to take level one harm singed and a grievous harm. Second degree burn. <laughs> yeah, I'm burns. Burns is good. All right. <laughs> we get that scene of Victor patting out the uh, sleeve of his shirt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like his jacket's ruined. He, you can see the flesh bubbling under his shoulder. 
and he's just like pats it out and goes, Argh! and his shotgun's out of ammo now. So he's going to move at that person who just came at him and he's just going to whip them with the end of the sawed off shotgun. Roll to unleash an attack. That is a nine. All right. So on a hit, you inflict harm as established and choose one. I'm going to inflict terrible harm. All right. I do have a baseball bat that does two harm. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Unless you want them alive. No. This is the last person. Okay. No, I'm good. Okay. Just throw that out there because I like to let people make that choice. Yeah. Victor doesn't like to do that, though. That is totally fair. He's not against trying to get information out of people. You know what? Let's do it. Let's take the person, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you can, like, knock him out, basically. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hit them in the side of the head with the end of a shotgun, and they go limp, but not dead. All right. And then what are you choosing from the seven to nine list? <sighs> I think we're in a bad spot. Yeah, you are. I've been shooting a shotgun in a residential area. That's not good. And you hear a scream from the living room. Yeah, that, that, mm-hmm. Great. I guess Victor hears that scream. We are going to move back to Alex. Good. Who is arriving at the country club. Yeah. It should be noted that for this particular meeting, Alex is going fancy as hell because, you know, how else do you do? So he has gotten himself a white suit, black shirt, red tie, gold accents on everything. And it should be noted that he is still wearing his clean white gloves from this morning because he's got a somewhat incriminating palm scar. I really want Fen to, like, fix his hair before he goes. <laughs> then, like, Here, just, just wait a second. Let me, you're so close. So he is going to get there a little bit early because he did invite Rosalie for tea. And yeah, he's just going to have everything set up. There's, like, some tea cakes on the table. He's having, you know, a nice, a nice cup himself. Everything is very fancy. Did you bring Leon with or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding? And then did you just say, hey, Fen, I'll get back in contact with you? Or I'm just trying to picture who's all in this seat. Sure. I think Alex would have left that up to Fen. If they want to come along, he's not going to stop them. So that's up to Fen. So Fen is coming along, but in the, oh, I'm just conveniently at the country club at the next table over away. Okay. So not directly at the table, but yeah. No, but like within vampire earshot. Oh, of course, of course. And, you know, flirting with the Jonathan waiter at the country club. As he, which Alex still feels very bad for. This poor guy has so many jobs. He's really struggling to make ends meet. <laughs> the Jonathans are my favorite gag. <laughs> <laughs> What's the dot, dot, dot for, Evan? <laughs> Listen, I, I know that this is a bit that Jeremy's doing. But I have to play into the bit of being upset that he's. <laughs> it's important to me. All right. All right. But yeah, so you're there. Leon is sampling little things, but doesn't actually need to eat food. And it's more just eating food because she wants to. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's kind of what Alex does, too. It's about the appearance of the thing. Did you give her a power suit? She would want a power suit if you have a power suit. Okay. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I absolutely did. And hold on. Hold on. I even know what it looks like. So it is kind of similar in that it is the suit, vest, tie combo. But this is a double-breasted vest. It's in royal French blue. And she's somehow found her pulled out of thin air you're not really quite sure where it came from but it's a blood red pocket napkin oh perfect that has the fleur family crest on it oh so she's wearing red white and blue she's a french flag yes (laughs) perfect so yeah we just chilling out waiting for rosalie to show up you know complete power move way overdressed for tea Yeah, and you all are out, like, on the terrace. They have all these outdoor heaters and, like, this glass wall thing going on, so you can still have beautiful terrace tea in the middle of the winter. Yeah, I do want to make note that because Alex is Alex, none of this is being hidden. He is in full view, so they're not in the middle, but they're very visible, probably not very audible unless you're, like, right next to them, though, or, you know, some sort of supernatural vampire, right? Who's also just like two tables over. Yeah. But yes, Rosalie shows up. She's wearing a nice floor length dress that has like a slit up one side. This is probably the most made up you've seen her because you normally just kind of drop in on her when she's at her house and looks like crap. <laughs> but no, she she came like dressed ready for this. You know, she looks nice. She's wearing a bronzy gold dress it's not garish though it's that like subtle metallic color nice yeah and she is seated at your table or at least directed to your table yeah alex being the gentleman that he is will you know get up and you know get her seat for her because it's just how you do when you're fancy thank you mr jerome of course well we must observe such niceties And he pours her some tea. I paid a visit to the Fleur the other night. Have you heard about that yet? (sighs) I have heard about that. Have they noticed that your mask is missing yet? No, I'm rather busy this time of year dealing with the church's finances and trades. I've been locked up in my office. How wonderful. That will make this next part quite a bit easier then. Before I get to it, though, a quick question for you. Before we get started, then, any kind of motions over to to Leon? Leon Fleur, Rosalie Mercier. Leon holds out a hand, and Rosalie looks surprised, but, I mean, she's a proper lady. She gets it under control very quickly, and she reaches out to shake Leon's hand, and it's um, a pleasure to meet you. And Leon's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Leon's a bitch. <laughs> okay. Here's what it comes down to. I gave the Fleur an ultimatum. If she doesn't take it by the end of tomorrow night, Point Clare Cathedral is going to fall by the end of the night following. I would like you to let the Watch know. Make sure that your entire organization is prepared for this. Because those who want to get out should do it now. 
Okay, so if she does not accept by tonight, it's tomorrow. Sorry. If she's not gone by tonight, the church is coming down by the night following. It's a 48-hour timeline. All right. I can definitely get that passed along, Mr. Jerome. In the meantime. And he kind of leans over the table. How are you doing, Miss Mercier? Sounds like you're trying to figure someone out. It could be. I mean, I can just have her answer and we can see if it's going there. Uh, I mean, depends. I think that does kind of work, though, so I'll go ahead and roll it. Okay. All right, let's let's see if I can fail the roll. But I know that I'm going. Oh, it's an eight. Oh, nice. So on a hit, hold two. On a seven to nine, they hold one on you as well. All right, so. Yeah. We got some questions for this conversation. Yeah. So I'm going to start with how are you doing, but we'll see where it goes from there. I am a little tired as I've been trying to get my affairs sorted. I also recently picked up a new pet that sometimes seems to like to squawk in the middle of the night. Hmm. I used to like birds. So you don't know. Ah, well, I still... I guess you would say approve of them, but they don't hold the charm for me they used to. How could I put you in my debt? Technically, she already is. She's in my web at the moment. But I think he's going to... Look, I understand that this is going to go... We are in some ways at conflict. You're part of an organization that I am going to restructure. But I don't want that to come between us. So, what can I do for you? Well, I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned for my own safety if I am the one to be spreading this message. They will likely begin to connect the dots, and I'm worried that someone will get to my head before you get to theirs. So if I could offer you a safe place to ride out the storm. That would be lovely. Of course. You know where I live. Any kind of looks over at Leon? I do have an open guest room at the moment. You are more than welcome, and I promise, it's about as safe as you're going to get in this city. (laughs) Leon jokingly is like, oh, you're kicking me out. Well, I did say that you could go do whatever you wanted. I didn't expect that would be live with me forever, but... I suppose I can remodel if I have to. I mean, hey, sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> it really is a passion. <laughs> right? Rosalie's clearly not nearly as lighthearted about all of this as Leon is. What's your end game here? After you tear down the church, what next? What's your character hoping to get from taking down the watch? Sure. I'm going to restructure the city. At the moment, it feeds on some very bad things. And I don't just mean what's going on with Leon. I mean that until very recently, the Baron of Five Points was homeless. I mean, there is a rather charming young man by the name of Jeremiah Crawford who is, as we speak, likely going to commit several murders. This city is rotten, and it is undisciplined. It needs to be brought to order. 
Luckily, I have a lot of patience. So, hard on a sleeve, Alex wants to take over the city. Mm-hmm. Point Claire is just the first step there. She nods as she sips her tea, clearly content with your answer. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask up front, and I know I've asked this before, but when it comes down to it, can I trust you or do your loyalties lie elsewhere? Who's pulling your strings? She sighs a little as she sets the coffee cup down and I've been working on settling my affairs. There is one last task I need to do. A certain fay within the city has asked for the uh, pet that I acquired recently, and I need to deliver it to her personally. Midnight roses. Hmm. Well, I can't imagine that will cause you too much trouble. Roses is generally delightful. I will feel better when I am out from under her thumb. I know the feeling. So, pass along a message before or after you deliver your bird, whichever you feel safer doing. And then meet me at my shop. Or, well, head there. I'll let the staff know to expect you. I do want you to deliver this message in a very particular manner, though, if that is amenable to you. What are your terms? The fleur is gone, one way or the other. Passed on, leaving this city, I don't care. Out. And if not, and this is the important part, because it's a phrase that I feel that they will understand. Fuck around and find out. I will pass your message on. Do enjoy the rest of your day, Miss Mercier. And I think at that point Alex is just going to get up and head out. Leon bows kind of sarcastically. She is just full of sarcasm and mirth right now. And follows Alex out. Yay! <laughs> what? No, I just, I didn't fail a roll. <laughs> and I think to wrap up this episode, let's go back to Silk, because I don't feel like we got too much Silk screen time today. Silk, you have been reading the terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really have anything else I want to do here. I know as a player, I still want to find some way to still gain the Silken Duke moniker, but I don't know how I could do that if I join Midnight Roses Court, but and whatever the other terms are for joining a court, because I know there are supposed to be rules for that. But yeah, I'm totally cool with ending with him, I guess, signing this contract. So there's definitely still titles and stuff in Roses Court, because people like titles. <laughs> give the people what they want also a title is just a title you can you can call yourself the silicon duke whenever you want yeah but it would help if other people use it too <laughs> so you need a defined oath i see mm -hmm. so that might be something that we can work around off mic because uh, i i did not think i was going to be doing that today but i just ran out of other things i wanted to do yeah, Alistair and Jeremiah have a 24-hour time frame that they're trying to work in. Alistair's only planning for the next 24 minutes, so. But it sounds like they are already getting some kind of warning 
without Silk doing anything. So, hey. So, Rose's defining oath for the court of the high tea, I think. Yeah. I can think of concepts that would be included. And, like, I'm kind of tempted to tell you stuff about Rose's (laughs) 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 that have not been expositioned yet. Because I feel like that's where this is going and there's something really interesting there. But her court is very much about community amongst the fae who choose to dwell in the mortal realm. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of stuff about not intentionally backstabbing within the court. You know, don't kill another fae unless it's justified. And there's some examples of justifications and Basically, make sure to file the proper paperwork before you kill a fae. Awesome. Those all sound like great things for Silk and the whole mortality faction switch that I still want to do. This sets you up nicely towards that. You could Mm -hmm. totally be part of Midnight Rose's court and be in mortality. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Awesome. Because Midnight Roses likes humans. She likes dealing with humans. She likes fair trade and fair play. And she likes those that start to figure out her rules and play along with her. So, Yeah, that, that's, that is very much in line with uh, Silk's desires as well. All right. So is Silk going to sign the contract? Yeah, with a big old signature and flourish, somehow making four letters take up like the whole like bottom section of the contract i love it (laughs) roses smiles after you sign the contract it disappears and oh don't worry a notarized copy will be at your apartment whenever you return home i am truly happy to have you join me silk i think there are some great things you and i can accomplish together in the future We are of the same bloodline, after all. And that is where we're going to end this episode. Oh, well, fuck. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, tweet us at St. Fleur Pod and let us know your thoughts. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast in seed by Landon Corbin. You can find him on Twitter at OccasionalGM. This episode was edited by Bree. She can be found on Twitter at pseudonym social. Additional editing and production for this episode was completed by Elliot, who can be found on Twitter at Podcaster Elliot. Alistair is voiced and played by Elliot. You can find him on Twitter at Podcaster Elliot. Alex is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at TayuFace. Silk is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist underscore JE. And finally, Jeremiah is voiced and played by Allison. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at MagpieOfficial. Farewell, dear listener. We hope you enjoyed your visit to St. Fleur.